Amen. We're going to continue on in our study of the solidarity of Christ, all of these different aspects of Christ that we see. Um, Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. Uh, If you want to open your scripture up to Matthew chapter 11. Um, You know, our, our, uh, our passage today is a special treasure only found in Matthew's gospel. It's not found anywhere else in in scripture. And I want to say what we have here is like the the center of a nothing bunt cake, okay? It's, um, some of you know what I'm talking about. It's, uh, It's where the frosting falls or rolls into the middle, you know, down into the center of bunt, okay? But it's that good stuff that's right in the very middle. And that's the way I look at this treasure that we have here. I mean, I suspect that there are many here this morning who already know uh, this morning's passage probably by heart. They've probably memorized it. And it's been a resource of comfort and encouragement to many of us um, at many different times. And many of us know it's not just We know about it not just from our memory, but we also know about it from our past experience. In other words, that that we've experienced this from the Lord. And it's a passage that I've preached from before, and I don't think we could ever hear these words enough. Uh, In them, our Lord gives us the greatest invitation, the greatest invitation that we could ever receive. The greatest invitation There's one more thing I'd like to say before I um, read our text. You know, our text touches on one of the most fascinating themes that has gripped the imagination of humanity. And really, this is called the romance of escape. The romance of escape. I mean, from Sherlock Holmes and to the masterful artistry of Houdini, there's been this fascination with capture and escape. And a very real reason exists for this unfailing interest in this romance of escape because, in a sense, it is the story of the human race trying to struggle with its own prison doors. Humanity has longed to escape from the prison of physical forces, of the things in, in life that just happened to us, uh, from, from ignorance, from, from fear, and most of all, many people have longed to escape from the prison of our own sin. And in the face of our dilemma, of humanity's dilemma, Jesus Christ is able to unlock the doors of our hearts allowing us, just like the song said, to run into Christ's waiting arms. He allows us to be free from that. So I asked the question this morning, what makes Christ available to us? What makes him available to us? And how can we make ourselves available to him? Read with me, if you will, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, 29, and 30. And Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Loving Father, I thank you for your word. I pray, Father, that as we magnify and lift up your son Jesus, that you would be glorified in that. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts and minds, that you would guide us, that you would be our teacher. And Father, that your Holy Spirit would just um, have his way in each of our hearts. Father, that we would desire, that we would rise to obedience in you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. So I want to talk just a little bit here about the Lord. He says in verse 28, he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, Ralph Waldo Emerson, he never spoke more wisely than when he said, an institution is but a lengthened shadow of a man. An institution is but the lengthened shadow of a man. And I want to say this is especially true with the Christian faith. Um, Jesus Christ is the very one upon whom our Christian faith rests and in whom the faith exists. You know, some people will struggle for release as they struggle from their prison house, but you know what? Our greatest need is not doctrine. Our greatest need is not dogma, but we need a deliverer. We don't need a motto. We don't need something, a slogan to say. We need a master. We don't need a creed. We need the Christ. We don't need a process. We need a person. And his name is Jesus. See, Jesus offers this winsome invitation to come to him. He says, come to me. Bring your heavy burdens to me. And you know, people sometimes, we carry the the burdens of, of hate. We carry the burdens of sadness. We carry the burdens of guilt. But the Lord offers to help with these burdens. I mean, he can see us through any regret from yesterday, any loneliness from today, and any fears about the future for tomorrow. He has all of that in him. And, and, and you see, it's in the availability of Christ. He's, he wants us to come to him. He wants us to come and lay our burdens at his feet. He, he desires that. But notice the Lord, but also notice the lift I mean, think about this. Verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know that word easy there? It means comfortable. It means pleasant. (laughs) My yoke is comfortable and is pleasant, and my burden is light. See, the yoke is a a wooden frame that they used to join oxen together with so that that team together could pull a load. And in the same manner that the oxen are yoked together, so we are yoked together with Christ. And the only difference is that Christ carries the heaviest load and we get the light end. 
You know, when you're moving furniture, somebody's always got to be on the heavy end. Somebody's always got to be on the light end. And, and that's the way it is. We yoke up with him. He carries the heavy stuff. He does the heavy lifting. We do the light work. That's the way he designed it. See, the people to whom Jesus spoke, they were very weary. <laughs> they were weary of the weight of legalism. They were so bound up by all the rules. There was no joy. There was no peace. They couldn't move. They, they, it, was, it was just all upon them. They could not find the freedom in their worship. I praise God that Jesus gives us freedom as we worship. Because we can, we can raise our hand. We can say hallelujah. We can do the things that we need to do. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Folks, we must learn from Jesus. He says, learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. See, one of the greatest joys of life is learning about those whom we love. You know, figuring out, trying to... Trying to uh, Figure out what makes my granddaughters tick. What do they enjoy? What do they like? What do they not like? All of these things. My wife, I've spent most of my life studying her, trying to figure her out. You guys know it's true. But you know what? The more I know her, the more I love her the more time I want to spend with her. And it's the same with Jesus Christ. The more I know about him, the more I love him, and the more time I want to spend with him. You know, it's, it's amazing because we learn that Jesus is meek and lowly of heart, meaning that Jesus is humble. And his death, by his death and resurrection, Jesus Christ delivered us <laughs> from the penalty of sin, which means that I'm not going to get what I deserve. <laughs> and through the gift of the Holy Spirit, he has broken the power of sin in our lives, according to Romans 8. And this doesn't mean that we're going to achieve sinlessness before we are glorified, but it does mean that Christians will see victory over sin in their lives as they mature in the faith. There's hope. We can get better, and we can do better. You know, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. We have to cult, cultivate the fruit of the Spirit as the Holy Spirit works to make us holy in the things that we do. And part of that is the love that we receive from Christ. And the love of God is for us, and, and our love for him, and, and the Holy Spirit pours into our hearts. And folks, this love that we receive from Christ is the ground that all of the other spiritual fruit grows in. It grows in that love. And knowing this love, expressing this love in return <laughs> brings us joy. It brings us peace. It helps us to be patient and kind and it provides us with the reason to do good and to be faithful because God is faithful to us. Even when we're not, he is faithful to us. But this love which is made in our hearts by the Holy Spirit also leads to the fruit of gentleness and self-control. 
the final two fruit that Paul lists in Galatians 5. And I find it interesting that gentleness was the characteristic of the two major covenant mediators that we read about in Scripture. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, it tells us that Moses, the mediator of the old covenant, it says he was very meek, more humble than anyone on the face of the earth. (laughs) You know, meek here is a synonym for gentleness or humbleness. But gentleness was also a major characteristic trait of the new covenant mediator, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. He calls himself here, for I am gentle and humble in heart. See, given this biblical evidence, it's not a stretch to say that humbleness equips both men and women for their respective roles. When we think about life, biblically speaking, a gentle person is one who is reserved and who's not, excuse me, not reserved or fearful, but one who exercises strength appropriately. Oh, anybody can get angry. Anybody can fly off the handle. But can you manage that strength appropriately? Because that's the problem. We don't allow, we don't bring it to the Lord. But I I can't impress upon you enough that Jesus is the most powerful man who ever lived. History turns on him. It pivots on Jesus Christ. He is the most powerful man who ever lived as he is God in the flesh. But Jesus didn't bully people. He didn't say when push comes to shove. He didn't didn't bully them with his power. Rather, he tempered it with gentleness. He stood for truth when necessary, but he was quick to show mercy to those who were humble and those who were repentant. See, gentleness is closely related to self-control. God does not exercise his power arbitrarily or chaotically. Rather, he restrains himself and is gentle with his people. He is in perfect control of himself. And while we are not omnipotent, all-powerful, we can imitate the self-control when we deal with other people. I mean, let's show gentleness toward even those that we find hardest to love. You know, throughout Jesus' ministry, he assured his followers that he was in one accord with the Father. He was doing the Father's will. And here he says, learn from me. Folks, learning from Jesus is walking with Jesus. When you are learning from him, you're walking with him. And so it's important that we learn from Jesus. And I love this because, you know, it's, uh, (laughs) as we exercise this kind of trust, the Lord lifts our burden. When we trust him fully, Jesus says, come to me. It's God's invitation. Come to me. I will make your life easier. 
I will lighten your load. You will have relief. You will have release. You will have rest. You will have rejuvenation. Give me control and care of your life and watch what I do because life will get so much easier, so less stressful. And some of you are saying, well, man, I don't know about that. Here's the promise. The promise is, if you will come to me, I will give you rest. (laughs) I will give you rest. I mean, we're living in one of the most restless ages ever in this world. I mean, there was a time when folks were content to take a, a slow buggy down the road. You know, that's what they had. But now we rush down the freeway at 80 miles an hour in order to save time. We get so busy with the affairs of life that we find ourselves struggling with life. Where's the rest that is promised? Maybe we're not coming to him. Maybe we're not giving it to him. The promise is if we will come and give it to him, then he will give us rest. I mean, what a deal. Think about this. Why would anybody turn that deal down? But some of you have heard this before and you've never acted on it. It's like having an unopened gift. That gift is not gonna do you any good unless you open it. We have this gift from the Lord and we've done nothing with it. We've not accepted it, we've not opened it. And God says, I wanna give you this gift of relief. I wanna give you this gift of release and recovery and you've done nothing about it. You've heard it, you know it. And I just ask the question, what keeps us from taking that step? What is it? What keeps us from coming to Jesus Christ? I'm glad you asked. First, I would say this, pride. Pride. Pride will keep me from admitting that I need help. And we are such a prideful people. How many of guys in this room will not stop and ask for directions? Okay, I don't see very many hands, but okay. You know, after Tracy and I got married like 36 years ago, we had some of our biggest disagreements, but I like to call them intense fellowships. We have these intense fellowships that they came when we were traveling or driving somewhere because I would see a road and be certain that this was a shortcut that actually became a delightful long cut. And uh, she actually termed that, this is not a shortcut. But I refused to seek help until the entire road was played out and Tracy was at the end of her rope and her patience with me. But you know what? I no longer have this problem. I no longer have this problem because I now have GPS. (laughs) And GPS is like Jesus. He gives us that direction for our life. I like to call it God's perfect salvation, GPS. 
and it's been real consistent. And maybe you're not ready to say, you know what, I give control and care of my life to Christ. I'm not ready to do that. But listen very carefully. (laughs) All you need is a greater dose of pain. God will gladly allow it to get your attention. Because what happens is we hear it and we know it, but we don't respond to it. He's saying, come to me. And we don't do that because of our pride. We have so much pride. Secondly, I would say guilt. Guilt will keep you from taking this step. I mean, problems far too big for me to solve are piled up over my head. Meanwhile, my sins, too many to count, have caught up with me, and I'm even ashamed to look up. Have you ever felt that way? Felt like, oh man, the burden is heavy. I I don't even feel, I'm ashamed to look up. Have you ever had the guilt that kept you from doing something? I mean... I don't want to ask God for help because I'm guilty. You know how many times I've asked for God for help and I've made a promise and I've broke that promise one more time. God, if you will just get me out of this situation. I'm embarrassed to ask God for help. But I want you to know something. You're dead wrong. You're completely wrong. There is no sin that God cannot forgive. And he wants to help you. Don't let your pride or your guilt keep you from taking this step. He wants to forgive your guilt. He wants to forgive your pride. But folks, we gotta humble ourselves. Pride, guilt. What keeps us from coming to Christ? Fear. Fear. of what I might have to give up if I go all in with Jesus Christ. You know, we've all heard that illustration about the the young man who falls off the cliff and about halfway down he grabs a branch, you know, and he's hanging there for dear life and, and he looks down and he looks up and he says, hey, is there anyone up there? And he hears the voice of God and it says, this is the Lord, trust me, let go and I'll catch you. And he looks down, and it's a ways down there, and he says, is there anybody else up there? You know, God is our last resource. God, he needs to be our first resource. But I'm afraid to let go. Some of you are hanging on for dear life on that branch, and you're saying, this isn't so bad. No problem, I'm really fine. Understand, that is not living. That is hanging on for dear life. What are you afraid it will happen if you commit your life to Christ? (laughs) Here's the thinking. Oh, he's gonna turn me into a nun or a priest or something. You say, well, I don't want anybody controlling me. Are you kidding? You're being controlled all the time. You're controlled by the opinions of other people. You're controlled by the hurts that you can't forgive. You're controlled by habits. You're controlled by hangups, by the way your parents brought you up. It's just that you choose who you're being controlled by when you let God control your life. You know what freedom is? 
Freedom is choosing who controls you. When you give your life under the care and control of Christ, he sets you free. He says those who sin are slaves to sin, and if you know, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Jesus says, I set you free. I don't normally quote Bob Dylan, but Bob Dylan used to say, you're going to serve somebody even if it's your own ego. Kind of goes back to that pride thing. But you see, real freedom is choosing who your master will be. So what are you afraid of? What are you holding on to that you think, I can't let go of this in order to give my life to Jesus? Is it a relationship? Is it an ambition, a hope, a dream? Is it a habit? Is it a lifestyle? Is it some possession? Because when you take this step, you're going to say with me, I've never had it so good. Because he takes what you've given him, he turns it around, he adds new meaning, new significance, new vitality, and he gives it back to you in a whole new way. Don't worry about the specifics of what you might have to give up in order to go all in with Christ. Don't worry about that. Because if you focus on the specifics, you'll never make the greater decision, which is the first step to new life. Just come to God. Give him a blank check. Give God a blank check. Here's my life. Let him take care of the rest because the command to come to Christ always implies that he has the ability. He would not be inviting you to come to him if he did not have the ability to do what he's saying. I say, don't worry about it. Give it to him and don't worry about it. But you see, worry... Is that last thing I want to talk about, and then I'm done. Worry keeps us from surrendering our lives to the care and control of Christ. See, we confuse decision-making with problem-solving. <laughs> you know, when Tracy and I surrendered to the gospel ministry 24 years ago, we didn't know how we were going to do it. I was leaving a great job. I was an introvert. I didn't know how I could make the transition from planning and executing gourmet food and banquets to answering essay questions, theology, preaching sermons, and church administration. I had no idea how I was going to make that transition. But I'll tell you what didn't happen. I didn't say, God, you give me a PhD, a nice church, and I will go into the ministry. It doesn't work that way. No, we stepped out in faith and have lived this way the last 24 years. We've attempted to put worry aside and just take one step at a time because we walk by faith and not by sight. So here's the, here's the bottom line. You make the decision, and then you work on solving the problems. Because if you wait for 
all the stoplights to turn green first, you'll never go anywhere. You can't solve all of the problems, all the issues that we think we're going to have at first. You make the decision to follow Christ. And you say, I open up my life to you. Lord Jesus, I want you to, to take over and you, 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 be it, you do it all. Now I've got doubts, I've got questions, I've got worries, I've got fears. I don't know how it's all going to work out. But I know it's the right thing to do. And so I'm going to do it. See, that's the, that's the type of decision we have to make. If we think that we can plan the, the course, if we think that we can say where we're going to serve God, we've got it all backwards. Because he's the one who decides. We make the decision, and then we work on solving the problems that come up. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. But I want you to understand this morning... Everyone who can hear my voice, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ is available to you. Jesus Christ is available to you. And it raises the question, are you available to him? See, you may believe that Christ would not allow you to come to him. But based on the authority of God's word, I proclaim to you that regardless of what you think of yourself, Jesus Christ invites you to come to him. And he will forgive your sins. He is available to each one of us. And all I can do is say, come to him today. Bring your burdens. Bring your addictions. Bring your failures. And give them to him. And allow him to carry that burden. See, we come and we lay it at the cross and we pick it up and we go back home. Lay it at the cross and leave it at the cross and let Jesus do what he wants to do in your life. I know this. God is faithful. People have let me down. God has never let me down. He is faithful. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I pray that you would just write your words upon our hearts.